This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. CMS set a goal of having 100% of beneficiaries covered under traditional Medicare in an accountable care relationship by 2030. And to accomplish that, they're going to use the Medicare Shared Savings Program as a key lever to bring accountable care to the full diversity of beneficiaries under Medicare. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Jamie Zage. On today's episode, we are going to explore the next evolution of Medicare's longstanding shared savings program. My guest today, Keely McMillan, is one of SG2's experts in value-based care. And when I recently spoke with her about the updates to the MSSP program, she reminded me that Medicare still has big goals for the program and that the recent changes are designed to both retain those organizations who've been involved, as well as to encourage additional participation from new organizations. Keely, before we get into the big changes, give us an overview of what the MSSP program is for those who maybe aren't as familiar as you are. Thank you, Jamie. The Medicare Shared Savings Program is the country's largest value-based payment model in which participating healthcare providers structured as accountable care organizations or ACOs have financial incentives to manage the total cost of care and the quality of care for an aligned population of beneficiaries covered under traditional Medicare fee-for-service. Unlike most other value-based payment pilots or alternative payment models run by CMS or the CMS Innovation Center, the Medicare Shared Savings Program is a permanent program that was instituted by the Affordable Care Act. And since its inception over 12 years ago now, has steadily grown such that now more than one in three beneficiaries covered under traditional fee-for-service Medicare are aligned with this program. This is not an experimental pilot. This is a mainstream value-based care program with robust participation all across the country, which I think is an indication of the opportunities the model presents for both providers and patients. There are some recent changes to the MSSP program. What was the reason for these changes? When the new leadership at CMS and the CMS Innovation Center took office in early 2021, they did a deep dive review of their collective portfolio of alternative payment models that had been launched in the first decade since the Affordable Care Act had been passed. And what they found was that a lot of learning and progress had been made in the transition from paying for volume to paying for value. And there was disproportionate participation among providers and attributed beneficiaries with minorities and beneficiaries living in rural underserved areas being less likely to be attributed to a value-based payment model. And this portfolio review also happened to coincide with the surging COVID-19 pandemic, which of course shone a spotlight on some of the profound health disparities that exist in our country. With this insight and 10 years of experience running alternative payment models, the CMS Innovation Center laid out a strategic refresh for the next decade with accountable care and advancing health equity being pillars of their vision for health system transformation. And as part of that strategic refresh, CMS set a goal of having 100% of beneficiaries covered under traditional Medicare in an accountable care relationship by 2030. And to accomplish that, they're going to use the Medicare Shared Savings Program as a key lever 
to bring accountable care to the full diversity of beneficiaries under Medicare. Having said that, not only does CMS have a big gap to close, CMS is around 17 million lives short of that goal. They've also seen participation in MSSP stagnate in recent years. There haven't been as many new entrants to the program. If you think about the startup costs of implementing a new ACO, that gets especially challenging when confronting the ongoing effects of the pandemic. And then there's been some concern about attrition of existing participants that have been frustrated by the financial benchmarking methodology and or the requirement to take on increasing amounts of downside risk to give MSSP a bit of a jump start and make it more attractive. They recently finalized some major changes to the program. How does the desired growth in Medicare Advantage have an impact on some of the adoption of MSSP and some of the other fee-for-service value-based care programs? A beneficiary who's eligible for Medicare and enrolled in a Medicare Advantage program would not be attributed to the Medicare Shared Savings Program. Now, within Medicare Advantage, Medicare Advantage payers are responsible for total cost of care and quality of care. So those patients are still in an accountable care relationship, but they would not be part of the pool of beneficiaries eligible for the Medicare Shared Savings Program. Thank you. Let's take a look at what some of those big changes to the program are. The health equity piece is resonating with me in particular, given some of the past work that SG2 and Vizian has been involved in. But what are some of those changes? If you look at all the changes made to the program, at a high level, those changes can be categorized into lowering barriers to success that are especially difficult for provider organizations treating a lot of underserved beneficiaries and modernizing the methodology used for financial benchmarking and risk adjustment. For starters, CMS has instituted a much more gradual glide path to downside risk. And when we say downside risk, that means ACOs are on the hook financially if expenditures for their patient populations come in over a set benchmark. The ACO would normally have to repay Medicare. Going forward, ACOs can stay in an upside-only arrangement for a lot longer. And then another change is that for new entrants, certain ACOs can access upfront capital called advanced investment payments to invest in standing up their infrastructure. And this is interest-free capital that you only start to pay back once you start generating savings in the program. CMS has also made a, a whole bunch of changes to the financial benchmarking methodology that is used to set financial targets for ACOs. One of the biggest challenges for existing participants who've been successful in the program is frustration over the so-called race to the bottom in which your financial benchmark goes down as you get more efficient and it gets harder and harder to earn savings in the program. CMS is implementing some changes to address concerns about the race to the bottom. And CMS has also made some adjustments that will allow more ACOs to share in savings if they don't hit certain savings or targets. There's a lot more included in this program overhaul, and you can find more detail on these changes on SG2's website. You mentioned that ACOs are going to be able to stay in that upside only for a longer period of time. What does this mean? Is CMS starting to back off of that downside risk? No, CMS is still very much aiming to push financial risk onto providers and hold providers accountable for total cost of care and quality of care. The new policy is 
recognition that more flexibility and more time is needed to bring accountable care to 100% of Medicare beneficiaries, particularly in the wake of the pandemic and the ongoing financial challenges facing the healthcare system. I think of it as CMS slowing down to speed up. It's also important to note that while Medicare historically has been the dominant force trying to push risk onto providers, many more commercial payers are now doing the same and actually using the current environment to shift negotiations around rates to conversations around value-based care. A last point I'll make about the move to downside risk. Recently, the LAN the Healthcare Payment Learning and Action Network, which is a quasi-public-private consortium of stakeholders that includes the CMS Innovation Center, doubled down on its goal to have 100% adoption of two-sided risk arrangements for both Medicare Traditional and Medicare Advantage, and 50% adoption of two-sided risk arrangements or downside risk arrangements for commercial and Medicaid. The LAN recalibrated its timeline for these goals and pushed the target date back to 2030, again, out of appreciation for the lasting effect of the pandemic. But the trajectory to downside risk is still very much the same. How are the incentives for advanced health equity being incorporated into the MSSP program? Some of the changes we've talked about already should help make the program more accessible to the full diversity of Medicare beneficiaries. Being forced to take on downside risk, for example, has been a particular concern for ACOs with vulnerable patient populations and patient populations with a lot of social risk factors. And the new protection from downside losses may make the program more broadly accessible. We talked about new entrants being eligible for upfront payments to invest in their ACO. The amount of these payments increases based on the vulnerability of an ACO's patient population. CMS takes into account whether patients are duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, whether they live in an area with fewer resources, if patients are eligible for low-income subsidies, to upwardly adjust the size of those advanced investment payments. Access to greater upfront capital is a way CMS is trying to advance health equity. And then beyond that, CMS is also implementing a health equity bonus in which they're rewarding ACOs that deliver high quality care and treat a disproportionate share of underserved beneficiaries by increasing the size of the savings payment that the ACO is eligible for. So those are some of the new policies that take a step towards reducing some of the barriers to success for providers that treat underserved communities. That's great. And given all the work that we know our members, our clients are focused on health equity, this is nice to see some of the payment now tying to it as well in a meaningful way because metrics are so hard to come by right now in that space. As you look towards the implementation of these new changes, what should those who are in or not yet in the MSSP do? Well, for provider organizations that are not in the program today and maybe thinking about participating, especially given some of these changes and new incentives, you want to be aware of the application timeline. So for a 2024 start date, organizations have to submit a notice of intent to apply by early June of 2023. And then between June and October, there's a bunch of phases of the application that are due. And then in early December, you sign a participation contract. New applicants or potentially new applicants want to start working on their participant lists 
as soon as possible. So which physicians are going to be part of the ACO and what volume of patients will they be aligning to the program? And what is the risk profile of the patients they'll be attributing to the ACO since beneficiaries are attributed to the Medicare Shared Savings Program through their doctors? For those already in MSSP, you'll want to assess the impact of the methodology changes for your ACO. So how will changes in the benchmark calculation impact your ACO financially and strategically? What does it mean for growth and savings opportunity? Do you renew your participation agreement early to take advantage of some of these changes? The value-based care team here at SG2 can help your organization answer these questions and more, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Keely, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting discussion. For our listeners, if your organization is getting into this or looking at getting into the Medicare Shared Savings Program, let us know. Keely and her colleagues in the value-based care team can help you and your organization ensure success. That's all we have time for today. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next SG2 Perspectives. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments or ideas for episodes and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com additionally i recommend that you check out some of the other Visient podcasts which cover a range of clinical and operational areas those can all be found at visientinc.com backslash podcasts 